Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you in worship today, and hello to all of you who are with us uh, online, either at home or on the road. Thank you for being with us as well, as well as all of you who are guests, uh, friends, family, grandparents who are here to check out our children's Christmas choir. Um, As all like 80 people left at once after this service's uh, kids' choir, few of them said it was because I was preaching, but... um, I won't take that personally. It's good to have you with us. I hope Redeemer feels like home for you if you're our guest today. And also just special guest, anytime we have any of our missions partners present here, uh, I I definitely want to say hello and honor Otis Garrison. Would you please stand? And your bride, Charletta, please. Otis Garrison is the vice president of Mission of Hope Haiti, uh, our strategic mission partner in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic. A significant portion of our campaign that we're in right now is to fund four trade schools for two years in Haiti, which would change the course of 160 families, including their villages. And, and the hope eventually is the nation as well. So uh, love you guys and welcome back. Glad to have you here. We're in week three of our Advent series where we are reflecting on the birth of Jesus Christ, the first Advent, but also simultaneously remembering that he made a promise that he's going to return. Hello. Is anybody at church today? Remembering the birth of Jesus Christ came, he was born and lived among us, but also simultaneously longing for him to fulfill that promise that he's coming back. That is the, now you're with me, that is the second advent and we have focused thus far on hope and peace, peace because of Christmas, peace with God, peace within and also, as a result, peace with others. Today, let's talk about love. I'll be in 1 John 4, if you would like to turn there. But first, um, if you've ever been in love, you might remember how that love story unfolded, or try to remember right now. I talked to somebody after last service, and they're about to celebrate their 54th anniversary of marriage. Praise God for that. So think back on how your love story unfolded, regardless if both of you fell in love at the same pace, still someone initiated the relationship, right? I mean, you can think right now, who is the one who initiated that relationship? To initiate, to take the first step in a course or a process or an operation of some kind. Shortly after meeting Andrea, I launched my own operation. Yeah, it was Operation Convince Her to Marry Me. Convince Her to Marry Me. I initiated the process of getting to know her. The only problem is she had no desire to know me. So it was a rocky start. 
It's slightly possible that my initiation, my pursuit of her, came across a bit awkward or creepy. It's possible. I did ask her if she was dating anyone. She said no, and I said, good. If you were, you have to the end of the summer to break up. I asked her for her phone number. She did not give it back to me. Again, it was a rocky beginning. I explained to her that I seriously wanted to pursue her, to which she responded, thank you. (laughs) Even though she was not on board right away, I was persistent, I was patient, I persevered, and the rest is history. Soon we will celebrate 19 years of marriage, and we have four beautiful children and a dog, and we have a puppy coming soon. Y'all need to interact with me as I preach like you do with pictures of puppies. I hope you are convicted right now. Word of God, puppy. Word of God, puppy. Operation convince her to marry me was miraculously successful and I couldn't be more thankful. Some of you can relate right now because you're thinking about your own love story and you remember who it was that initiated that relationship. I'm here today to tell you that one thing we all have in common One thing that every follower of Christ in every church, in every fellowship across this planet, the common denominator in our love story with God is that none of us initiated love with God. None of us. He is the almighty initiator. And 1 John 4 verses 7 through 12 and 19 make this point very clear. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Christmas, right? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, not because we initiated love with God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love Because, say this with me, he first loved us. He's the initiator. So here is the summary of this passage, which is also the bedrock of my sermon today. Christmas is God's initiation of love with humanity and as a result of his love within humanity. Christmas is God's initiation of love with humanity humanity, and as a result, within humanity. Let's break this down. Number one, God initiated love with humanity. 
There is a story of a prince that was looking for a young woman suitable for marriage, a woman that would one day be his queen. And one afternoon, he's riding around in his carriage in one of the poor sections of a local village. And he looks out the window of his carriage, and there she was. He saw her once, and he knew in his heart, that's the one I am going to love. That's the one that I want to love me in return. So like any good gentleman would do, you know what he did. He went back to that same section of that village every day, after day, after week, after month, because he wanted to see her again. Here's the problem. He could very easily order this young woman to be his bride. He had that authority to do so. He didn't want to do that. He wanted her to love him in return. He wanted her to love him by choice. He didn't want to go into that village with all of his uniform put together and his horses and his men and all of his splendor and all of his wealth. Clearly, that might attract someone, but he wanted to win her heart and have her love him in return by choice. So guess what he did? He gave up his kingly robe and he moved into the village. And when he did, he took on the status of a peasant. He lived among the people. He shared in their interests and their struggles. He spoke their everyday language and understood their lives. And in time, this young lady grew to know him and as a result, loved him in return. And why? Because he first loved her. He was the initiator and he gave up everything so that they could love one another. Does this sound familiar today? He gave up everything. This is our story with God. The word becomes flesh and moves into the neighborhood. We see the love of Jesus in his willingness to be born, to live here among us, but we also see his love and his obedience to die for us. I mean, we would never say that the violent murder of a man, as if he was a criminal, is the place that we would go to look to see love. We would not assume that that's a picture of love, but that's exactly how love was demonstrated. That's exactly how scripture explains love to us. You've probably seen this image before, and you know where we stand. We're stranded on hell's side of eternal life and we are hopelessly trapped in our sin. There is no way to get across death and to be with God other than Jesus Christ. No other bridge can we cross from death to life than the cross of Jesus. This is evidence of the merciful heart of God who would rather submit himself to a gruesome death than condemn his beloved creation to perish. Christ was born, we have Advent, we have this Christmas season, but he was born because there's also Lent, there's also Good Friday, there's also Resurrection Sunday. See, this is a piece of the meta-narrative of Scripture, glorious story of redemption. God was coming after your heart, and he moved into the neighborhood in the form of Jesus Christ so that you might love him in return. God's love is most supremely expressed 
in the sending of his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And as I talked about last week, he did so while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8. And because we're still sinners and hopelessly trapped in sin, we're also his enemies, Romans 5, 10. He did all this. He did all this while we were his enemies. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Number two, God's love is completed. Say completed. It is completed as we love one another. This is increasingly difficult. In this world today, we are surrounded by counterfeit love. A few examples. Love that is defined merely by human emotion. Parents, parents that confuse love with the, con- the need to control their children. Spouses who love one another only as long as their own needs are being met first. Love that is used to justify lustful relationships. Evil that is done in the name of love and manipulative love. I'm going to give you an example of manipulative love. Listen to these lyrics by Michael Bolton. Said I loved you, but I lied, because this is more than love I feel inside. Do you know this song? Said I loved you, but I was wrong, because love could never, ever feel so strong. What does that mean? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I walk in my house one day a week and tell Alexa to play Michael Bolton. Don't judge me. I like Michael Bolton. But what does this mean? And put yourself in the shoes of the young lady that he wrote these lyrics for. Imagine the confusion. This is manipulative. You love me, but you lied because what? This is more than love you feel? And what does that even mean? Please, Michael Bolton, tell me. I want to know what is stronger than love. How can I feel something? Do you see this? Do you see what we listen to? Do you see what we watch? It's counterfeit. It's manipulative. And it's everywhere. Because of our fallen nature, we don't have the ability to define love. Even Michael Bolton can't. But we're called to love one another. Not a counterfeit love, but a fruit of the Spirit kind of love. See, in that passage, it says, because He is love and He loved us, we can love one another. It's His Spirit that empowers us and enables us to love one another. Author Jonathan Wilson writes this, as we enter the kingdom of God, we enter into a salvation that is also the way of love. Love is a terribly spoiled term today, almost beyond rescue, as a description of the good news of the kingdom come in Jesus Christ. However, the New Testament is full of the language of love, particularly as Christ exemplifies God's love and enables that same love in us. Therefore, we must work to recover an understanding and practice of love. Personal knowledge of God and loving God and loving one another are inseparable. 
They are inseparable. If you have knowledge of God and if you love God, evidence of that love for God is in your love for other people. They are inseparable. Thus, John's exhortation here implicitly demands self-examination. I mean, we have to read this passage and then look within. Think about David in Psalm 139 who said, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any detestable way in me. And if there is, lead me somewhere else. Lead me in the way everlasting. Right? So we have to take John's exhortation here and, and think, am I a loving person? I am a professing Christian. But is that evidence of my faith in Christ present in my marriage? Am I a loving spouse? Am I a loving father? Am I a loving friend? Am I a loving son or daughter, brother or sister? Am I a loving colleague at work? Am I a loving neighbor? Part of loving your neighbors is knowing them, by the way. So walk next door, knock on the door. You don't have to tell them you love them right away, but start a relationship at the least. God's love Listen here, God's love focused its action on our greatest need. The achievement of his love is reconciliation. The achievement of his love is restoring us to God. Being that bridge that gives us that awesome privilege, as we read in John 1, to all who call upon the name of the Lord, receive the right to be called sons and daughters of God. God's love achieved something for our greatest need. Therefore, as we love others, we need to do so in meeting their needs. Do you know why that's hard? Because we wake up in the morning wanting our needs met. Maybe it's just this side of the room, not, not them. <laughs> we wake up in the mornings wanting our needs met, right? Amen, yeah. amen that. That's, that's why love can be so difficult because we're supposed to meet one another's needs as we love one another, just as God met our need in the way that he loved us. Not a demand for forced intimacy or disingenuous care or concern for others. It's a demand to act with redemptive love and maintain right relationships with others. I know it's easier said than done. And last week when I preached on peace, Romans 12, 18, there are some people that you cannot have a peaceful relationship with. Facts. We just can't. Perhaps they don't follow the same Lord that you follow. They don't read the same Bible that you read. Or they just are a very destructive person in your life and a relationship's not possible. Still! So love, not hatred. So love, not hatred. Okay, in my remaining time, I would like to share with you what this practically looks like because love is hard. Love is messy. Amen? Let me give you this short list of 30 ways that we can show mutual and redemptive love to one another. Yes, 30 Listen, don't feel the need to write these down. You don't have to write them down. They're in your Bible. Uh, but I can email it to you. But listen to these 30 ways. Love 
from the center of who you are. Don't fake it, but be good friends with one another. Share laughter when people are laughing and share tears when people are crying. Welcome those who don't see things the way that you do with open arms. If you are hosting dinner with any family this month, let me repeat that. (laughs) Welcome those who don't see things the way you do with open arms. Reach out and welcome one another just like Jesus welcomed you. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Stoop down and pick up those who are hurting. Be gentle and be sensitive. Pour yourself out with acts of love for one another. Don't lie. Don't lie. Be courteously reverent with one another. Be even-tempered. Forgive as quickly and completely as Christ forgave you. As quickly and completely. Counsel one another using the good common sense that God has given you. And reassure one another with the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. Speak encouraging words and build one another up with hope. When you get on each other's nerves, don't snap. Look for and bring out the best in one another and help each other to stay on your toes and not trip over sin. Push each other spiritually. Hold one another accountable to attend church regularly. Said it's in the Bible. Use your ears before you use your mouth and stop getting so mad. Be a safe, a genuinely safe place to hear the confession of another person's sin. Pray for one another's spiritual and physical healing. Love like your life depends on it. Be down to earth with one another and not proud. Give each other holy embraces. Share holy affection for one another. Don't be resentful. Don't look out for yourself, but meet other people's needs first. Fight fear together as you love and walk in truth together. That's love. The source of these instructions, Romans, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 1 John, 2 John. It's all in your Bible. Back to 1 John 4.12. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is, please notice this, made complete. It's made complete in us. The act of completing something is quite satisfying. Would you agree? My son and I are currently trying to complete the raking and bagging of leaves. (laughs) We're on our third round. 
There are 40-something bags at my curb. My neighbors volunteer to take them, so they'll all be picked up. We have to work together. The struggle is real. But one day it will be completed. And we'll sit inside and look out at the green grass without a leaf to pick up. Can you believe that we can complete something for God? You ever thought about that? What a great joy. What a great delight to be trusted by God to complete something for Him. Look, we depended on Him for the initiation of love. But how beautiful that He is saying He depends on us for the completion of His love. We can help bring God's love to its intended goal. You and me, we can help bring God's love to its fulfillment on earth. Isn't that beautiful? What a great privilege. What a great responsibility. A responsibility that we must manage well. Can we manage that responsibility well? That's a real question, church. Can we manage that responsibility well? Yes. May it be so. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Father, thank you for the reminder in Scripture today that you are love and that you initiated love with each one of us. We can't wrap our minds around the fact that you are so all-loving that there's enough love to go around this world. But you're God. Thank you that we can love one another because you first loved us. We don't always get it right, especially when we're trying to love out of our flesh. And so we yield to your Holy Spirit. We acknowledge love as a fruit of your Spirit in our lives. Help us to be people of the Spirit and the truth, people who don't walk in our own strength but yours, people that take seriously this amazing privilege and responsibility of seeing your love completed in us. What a great gift. What a great gift. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.